Hey everybody, my name is Caitlin. And I'm Nick. Thank you so much for tuning into Morning Breath today. If it's your first time with us, welcome. Morning Breath is a daily devotion where one of our pastors and a co-host read a chapter of the Bible the night before, come in the next day, and read it on air with you guys, whether that's on YouTube, Spotify, or on the radio. Yeah, if you're wanting to learn more about Morning Breath or just anything about East Coast, you can find links to both our website and app in the description below. Speaking about getting plugged in, youth camp is coming up. If you're wondering what that is, it's for our 7th to 12th graders. Um, it's July 12th through the 16th. It's a whole week. They spend the night. Uh, it's just a crazy, uh, crazy week with food, games, worship, the word. It's insane. You can get more information on, on our website or on our app. Yeah, to go along with that, we actually have fundraisers to raise money for the students, and one of those is a bike-a-thon this Saturday. That's everything from us. Let's go ahead and jump in the Word. You are listening to the Morning Breath Podcast. Please enjoy today's show, hosted by Pastors Matt and Jessica Stahlbaum. Hey, what's up, and welcome to Morning Breath. And I'm Matt, and this is Jessica, and we're in 1 Samuel chapter 13. Yes, we are. What and is going on? We are thick of the summer. Hope you're staying cool in your uh, air conditioning. (laughs) (laughs) Summer is upon us, so we are nice and I'm in a jacket because of the AC, you know, but it's a great time to live in Florida. Great, great summer season. Um, We always do a question. And again, our question today, last week, it was from Miss Tony Black and today as well from Tony Black. Thank you, Tony. What was your first thought of each other the day you met? Insert heart emoji. Emoji with all the heart eyes. (laughs) First of all, where did we meet? We met at the Mezzanine, which is our young adult church here at East Coast, that Matt started after he went and lived in England before I met him. For a year, he came back and he started the Mezzanine Young Adult Church. And I, Mezzanine was supposed to be, is supposed to be, for 18 to 29-year-olds. And I was 17. And 11 months, <laughs> or eight months, whatever. Um, and I came you and came in I October. saw, yeah, okay, so I was 17 and 11 months. Yeah. yeah, I squeaked in there illegally and I saw him. He was preaching. It was the very first time I ever laid eyes on him. That we know now. Side Take note, back. side note. The first time you saw me, you had no, no, no. I didn't thought. know who I was seeing because I was probably 14. And um, Matt wrestled in high school and my brother wrestled in high school. He wrestled for Merritt Island and my brother wrestled for Rockledge. And so I would go see my brother's wrestling matches. I was probably 14, maybe even 13. I don't know. Was, were you a senior that year? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I was 14. And um, I'm sitting there watching him in a wrestling match. And the way that we know this is because years later, years after we'd been married, like we 10 came. 10 years after we'd been married. Yeah. We came across a VHS. Who remembers a VHS videotape of me watching him because when you go to a wrestling match and his dad was filming him, you film the opposite side's fans. So you're filming the match, but then across the way is the Rockledge High fans. Merritt Island was on this side, Rockledge is on this side. And so he's the, we're watching I it. I go back to my wrestling match uh, yeah. with Rockledge yep. and I look up and I see her dad and then I see you sitting here and I see your mom sitting there and I was like, oh my gosh. You saw me wrestle. I was was watching you in a singlet wrestle (laughs) a guy at high school when I was only 14 and didn't even know. This is so dumb. That's probably what you thought. Yes. What weight class were you? 152. Wow. Yeah. I think my brother was like 135 or something ridiculous. 
anyway, yes. So that's the first time I actually saw him, but I didn't know until later that that's when I saw him. But the first time I actually saw him, and the question is, what was my first thought? So my first thought when I saw him consciously for the first time was legitimately a promise. I really felt like I was attracted to and drawn to his heart for the Lord because I saw him and he was preaching. And so that's the first thing that I was able to think is like, wow, this guy really loves God. And up until that point in my life, I had not really pursued guys who loved God first. So for me to think that that was my first thought of him is really cool. That is cool. I remember you talking about you went home and talked to your dad about me. Do you remember that? No. But you told me that at least. Okay. I probably did. I wasn't <laughs> lying. I just, no, you were like, dad, this and dad, that. And I just, I just always thought like, I bet your dad was like, well, here's the second thing that I thought Uh-oh. when I found out how old he was, because I was, again, 17, <laughs> turning 18 in November. He had just turned 21 in September, 22 in September. I was trying to make it less, 22 in <laughs> September. And I was like, we're five years apart. He is so old. This will never work. Yeah. We're four years and one month apart. Yeah. So, so we met in that one month that we're five <laughs> years apart, which was like, as a 17-year-old, I was like, no way. You probably were more mature than me, though, when you For were sure. like 18 than I was at 22. Um, so the first time I saw you that I know of, I think I saw you sitting in a chair at the mezzanine, like a, one of the big green like mm. chairs. And I just thought, wow, uh, you were smiling and your eyes were pretty. And I thought, wow. And I didn't look you know, too hard because there wasn't very many people in the room. This is what I remember. But the second time that I really remember seeing you was at the courthouse. And I was going to pay a ticket. And... Uh, I'd got something in the mail. I worked at the courthouse, <laughs> by the way. I was not there for a, a hearing or anything else. <laughs> well, they would know that if, if, because as I was walking in, I saw you sitting behind the counter yep. at the clerk of the court. And I was like, wow, I just thought you were pretty. And, you know, just, I don't know. I just thought, wow, you're pretty. And uh, I thought, I know her from somewhere. I think I know her from church. Um, and I never had talked to you before. Mm-hmm. So I remember seeing you there. The odd thing is I went to pay the ticket. My, I didn't have any ticket to pay. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I had nothing to pay. That's Not, crazy. It was like, no, you have no ticket. And I had a ticket. I did have a ticket. Wow. And I even got something in the mail to pay the ticket. I went and I saw you that second time. And that was like, wow, like it registered <gasps> in my mind. It was the Lord. To be. And there was no ticket to pay. And so I definitely remember that. That's and crazy. I just thought, your eyes and your smile. I thought, and I really see you pretty. walking in, paying a ticket. And I'm like, oh, I got to look this guy up because I had access to all the records of the courthouse. And I couldn't figure out how to spell your name because it's Stahlbaum. And I thought it was like S T A H, S T A U, S T. And I couldn't figure out how to spell your name. So it took me a while. I had to ask you how to spell your name so I could look you up and make sure you weren't a criminal. Which, yeah. Which he had a lot of tickets. I'll say that. But otherwise. Not that many. I had More four than, tickets. I ended up getting four tickets in lot. one month. And it was the only four tickets I ever got. Yep. It was just a bad month. <laughs> it was a bad month. <laughs> it was a bad month. Well, I learned a lot of lessons we made that it. month. We made it. Um, what are we at? 17 years? Maybe yeah. 18 in November? Awesome. Yeah. That's, God is good. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for that walk down memory lane. And thank you all for coming with us. Yeah. Now, we are in 1 Samuel chapter 13. And I'll read first. Okay. Um, Let's go. Saul was 30 years old, and I'll stop at verse 12. Saul was 30 years old when he became king, and he rejoiced over Israel 42 years. Saul chose 3,000 men from Israel. 2,000 were with him in Michmash and in the hill country of Bethel. And 1,000 were with Jonathan at Gebeah in Benjamin. 
The rest of the men he sent back to their homes. Jonathan attacked the Philistine outpost at Geba, and the Philistines heard about it. Then Saul had the trumpet blown throughout the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. So all Israel heard the news. Saul had attacked the Philistine outpost, and now Israel had become obnoxious to the Philistines, and the people were summoned to join Saul at Gilgal. The Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000. 30,000 chariots. What? 30,000. Mine says 3,000. What? Version NIV. Your dad would say Stop it. (laughs) There's a little little thing. thing. Some Septuagint manuscripts and and Syriac Hebrew, 30,000. There is a debate. Whether it's three, the or amplified 30, just went thirty thousand, calling it a day. <laughs> yeah, so it's somewhere between three and thirty thousand okay, chariots, cool. six thousand charioteers and soldiers as numerous as the sand of the seashore. They went up and camped at Michmash, east of Beth Avon. Okay, when the Israelites saw their situation was critical and that their army was hard pressed, they hid in caves and thickets among the rocks and pits and cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul remained at Gilgal, and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and Saul's men began to scatter. So he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering just as he finished making the offering. Samuel arrived, and Saul went out to greet him. What have you done? asked Samuel. Saul replied, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembled at Michmash, I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command that the Lord, that, that the Lord your God gave you. If you had, you had been established. You would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. And I'll stop there at verse 14. But now your kingdom shall not endure. The Lord has sought out for himself a man, David, after his own heart. And the Lord appointed him as leader and ruler over his people, because you have not kept, obeyed what the Lord commanded you. Then Samuel arose and went up from Gilgal to Gibeah of Benjamin. And Saul assembled and counted the people who were still with him, only about 600 fighting men. Saul and his son Jonathan and the people with them were staying in Geba of Benjamin while the Philistines camped at Michmash. And the raiding party came from the Philistine camp in three companies. One company turned toward Ophrah to the land of Shual. Another company turned toward Beth Horon and another toward the border overlooking the valley of Zeboim toward the wilderness. Now no blacksmith, metal worker, could be found in all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, otherwise the Hebrews will make swords or spears. So all the men of Israel went down to the Philistines each to get his plowshare pick, axe, or sickle sharpened. The fee for sharpening was a pim, two-thirds of a shekel, for the plowshares, the picks, the pitchforks, and the axes, and to straighten the goads, cattle prods. So it came about on the day of battle that neither sword nor spear was found in the hands of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan. But Saul and Jonathan, his son, had them. So they were the only two with them. And the garrison of the Philistines went out to the pass at Michmash. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So I want to start with verse 3. And just a really simple thought, but it said Jonathan attacked and defeated the Philistine garrison, which was at Geba, and the Philistines heard about it. Then Saul blew the trumpet throughout the land saying, let the Hebrews hear. And later it says that Saul was at Gilgal. Gilgal, I believe, was a place where he was anointed to be king. And so he was either still there. He never left. Why was he still there? Why was he not in the heat of the battle? That was one question I had. But I found it interesting that Jonathan, his son, and I researched this a little bit. I think it's hard to 
to figure out for sure, but he may have only been like 15 years old at this point, Jonathan, because Saul was only 15 when he had him and he was 30 years old when he became king. So he wasn't, to me, he probably wasn't very old. Either way, he was old enough to, to attack and defeat the Philistine garrison. But I thought it was interesting that Jonathan had half the men. So Saul had 2,000 or Jonathan only had 1,000. He had half the men and he attacked first. And then verse four, Saul took credit. Let the people know that Saul is the one who won the battle. I don't know. I just thought it was like, is it fear? Was it fear? Was it insecurity? You know, we talked last week about this puffed up pride being popped is insecurity, another form of pride. And it was just interesting to me. Jonathan had half the people. He attacked first. He won. And then Saul took credit. Wow. Interesting. Saul had some issues. Yeah. One, definitely pride. Yeah. And we see that in his life. He was very insecure. Uh, There's a couple great quotes from people, different presidents. I want to say Franklin Roosevelt uh, said you could accomplish anything if you don't care who gets credit. And Ronald Reagan said you can accomplish many good things if you don't care who gets credit. Mm -hmm. And it, the opposite is true. If you want all the credit, you're not going to accomplish anything that great. Like, yeah. and if you do, people really won't like you. Yeah. And uh, you people long. that are prideful and arrogant and claim credit for everything, they end up creating a lot of enemies and they don't create a very strong teamwork of people around them. You see that with presidents, you see that with leaders. Um, you know, sometimes you're, uh, the good that you do is overshadowed by your pride. And uh, that's, it's sad um, when that happens because imagine all that good that you would do if you were humble. Uh, imagine that you wouldn't, you know, people wouldn't hate you for mm-hmm. it. They wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't get overshadowed by your pride. I think it's very important to say. And I think too, it's also important to know that it's okay for other people to get credit for the things that you do too. Mm-hmm. Like we can't be so insecure that if we we're on a team, we contribute and then we're not getting like, oh my gosh, this is the person that gave us all the wonderful ideas. Ha ha Like, yeah, like that's okay. Like sometimes we need to be able to submit our ideas and someone else can get credit when they yeah. accomplish the job. Yep. Um, so it's like both sides. I, for years, for years I've sewed into other people, especially my dad, you know, I've been in creative sermon writing opportunities. I remember I was on the button to preach every Sunday night and I would be in his creative team meeting on Monday and I never held my best ideas for myself. I literally would just give him every idea that I've ever had. And I always said, look, if I give my best to somebody, mm-hmm. God will give me what I need. And I never lacked for creativity at the mezzanine. Yeah. I've never l- lacked for creativity in my life. Like, And it's not, well, I will say the times that I've lacked is when I've been hyper discouraged Mm -hmm. and have kind of lost that trust in the Lord. But as long as my trust is in God and as long as I realize that it's in him, I have strength, the ideas come and they, they, they flow. And for years I sewed into my dad's sermons and messages and a lot of people did. And sometimes you would, you'd get credit. Sometimes you wouldn't, it didn't really matter. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, the Lord sees it all, and yeah. everything we do is un- as unto the Lord and not for men. Yeah, 
It doesn't matter who gets yeah. credit for it. And, uh, you know, now my dad's pouring into me. Like, I am the one preaching the majority mm-hmm. at the church, and I have people helping me. And Give, I, and it will be given to yeah, you. Yeah, I have people working hard to help me do a good job and help create for me and come up with ideas for me. Yeah, fact, and you can't stand up there and preach and say, thank you, DJ, for that message example, and thank you, Cassie, for recording that video, and th- you know, like, in the midst of it. Yet we tell them to their faces, thank you so much, and we're telling you now, we have an amazing team. But it is it does have to be okay, right? There is a calling to serve other people and then they get to run with the ideas. No, everyone who knows anything knows there's a huge team behind anyone who does great great and big things. Yeah, a, a really kind of neat example of this, I'll just say, you know, I would say probably close to 10 years ago, um, we started a movie series at East Coast and um, we didn't know what to call it. We had seen other churches call it at the movies mm-hmm. and different things like that and I, uh, I got an idea to call it Faithflix because of Netflix at the time was kind of revolutionary. Like Netflix was back when you had to get the DVDs in the mail. Do you remember that? And you could sign up for the one DVD or the three DVD. And we watched the entire season of West Wing when we had one of our kids. I remember that. Like the DVDs kept coming in the mail. Yeah. Like, yeah. And you had to send. The, yeah. So that was 16 years ago. I don't know how old Netflix is. But anyway, long story short on that is I was given an opportunity to name it, and I named it Faithflix because Netflix was, at the time, cool. Now Netflix is almost synonymous with a worthless pile of garbage um, <laughs> because, you know, That's whatever. It's on there. Because there's a lot of trash on it, and a lot of people are canceling their Netflix. And, you know, there's a lot of good reasons for that to get canceled. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not part of cancel culture, but I do think we shouldn't held hold people accountable yeah. and cancel things that are destroying us and destroying our lives. So anyway, um, what I actually did a couple weeks ago is I grabbed the young adults and I, I said, I think we're in a new season with movies. You know, we're not really looking forward to seeing movies right now. And we're not going to movies, not, right? Not, not like we used to. Right. And we often do a movie series because what we like to do is connect something in culture, movies, people are asking questions about life. They're making statements about life. There's ideas, uh, you know, all sorts of things are happening in movies. And what we do is we, we would highlight something in a movie and then say, what truth in the word of God gives us the answer to the questions that people are asking through culture, through movies, through music, and some people get all like crazy about it. They're like, you can't talk about movies in church. It's not even what we're doing. What we're doing is we're looking at how culture is crying out for God and the ideas that are seen in music and movies and all sorts of things. And then we're saying, what does the word of God actually say yeah. about those things? And it's exactly what Jesus did when he would tell stories about farming, about sheep, about culture and agricultural things and, and about lost coins and, and lost sons. He would take what people are doing in, in the life of an agricultural person and he would teach the word of God so he had all of their attention. It's what Paul did in Mars Hill when he was like looking at culture and, and the gods that they were worshiping and, and say, hey, by the way, there's this, you've got all these gods here. There's an unknown God. Let me tell you about them. And it's the same thing we do with the movie series. Well, to boil it all the way down is I've asked the young people in our church, the young people are 20-year-olds. Yeah, I'm not, not young anymore. anymore. <laughs> you know, I am young, but I'm, you know, my 40s, early 40s, very young. And uh, 
But I'm asking 20-year-olds, what do we do? What is culture saying? How do we do this? And then we're talking about it. And we've actually come up with some pretty neat ideas yep. uh, to see what culture is saying in this season. We're in the middle of June, so you guys have been seeing that stuff yeah. already. That's that's the, how it started, yeah. right? How it started, how, how it's going. So if you haven't tuned in, you can tune in. Um, come to one of our locations or soon, on our right? app, East Coast app, yeah. in June, June 21st. So verse eight says, now Saul waited seven days according to the appointed time, which Samuel had set, but Samuel had not come to Gilgal and the people were scattering away from Saul. The people were scattering away from Saul because they were tired of waiting and they were literally hiding. It says they were hiding in like ditches and dry cisterns and all over the place. They were hiding in caves because the Philistine army was massive, three or 30,000 chariots. We don't know. But people were scattering from him because he was told to wait for seven days and they were tired of waiting and hiding. But the, the entire last chapter, if you've read uh, chapter 12, 1 Samuel chapter 12, it is all about Samuel, who is the prophet, giving Saul very explicit and specific direction on what to do. But the main instruction that Samuel was giving him was to fear and serve the Lord. That was the whole main thing of first Samuel chapter 12 is Samuel spending an entire chapter. Like it was a lot of words saying, if you obey, if you fear the Lord, if you serve the Lord, if you just follow the instructions, if you, I'm giving you the recipe of what to do. Could you just do do it? it?" And it actually says, Samuel said, if Saul and the people obeyed God, it would go well for them. So it wasn't just Saul, it was the people. So Saul and the people needed to obey God. It would go well for them. Well, that didn't last long because verse nine says, so Saul said, because the people were scattering away from him. Remember, he's losing people. He's seeing them walk away from him. And he knows what he's supposed to do. But he's seeing people walk away from him. And he switches his values. He, um, what's that word when you change your direction? Because you're, yeah. So Saul said in verse nine, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering, which he was forbidden to do. So Saul, if Saul and the people obey God, it will go well for you. You're forbidden to do this burnt offering, and yet you did it. His excuse, his reasons were, one, the people were leaving me. And that is fear of man. That is an approval addiction. That is, that is straight fear, insecurity. But then, two, is he, he tried to blame it on Samuel when Samuel finally did show up. And he said, you, Samuel, didn't come when you said you would. That was a lack of trust. I mean, did he fully wait the full time? And even if he didn't, like, unless he got new direction— it really wasn't on him to change the direction, right? Right, like So God gives us a trajectory and a thing to shoot for and aim for, and we obey until we get a new direction, a new path. And yeah. I, I have to say, I can relate to both because one, I want people to like me. Like I want, I'm likable. Like I, I want people to like me. And two, I want God to answer me on my ta- timetable because I hate waiting. Yeah. I hate waiting everywhere. I hate waiting for everything. <laughs> like I can totally relate. And it, it, they really are basically character issues. And those character issues will take you out every time. And I think of this book that I love and then I read every year. I haven't read it yet this year. I need to read it called Broken Escalators by Peter Haas. He's a pastor. He's one of our overseers here at East Coast. And they have a church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And this book is awesome. Broken Escalators. And it talks all about how We don't need to, especially as leaders, pray for growth and pray for people and even pray for money or pray for opportunity. We need to pray for the character worthy of growth, the character worthy of opportunities, the character worthy of being able to handle a million dollars 
handed to us or whatever, right? So I think that it all boils down to this character issue of Saul being a people pleaser, but also not trusting God. Yeah. So what could he have done? I think when I read that uh, today, actually, I thought he could have gathered the people and said, let's pray. We're waiting for the man of God. And he said he would be here in this at this time. Mm-hmm. We have not seen him. Yep. We are going to continue to wait. If you want to leave, you can, but we're staying and we're praying and believing God that the man of God will show up yep. and pray and let's pray and let's lean in and let's go for it. And he, that would have been an an endearing thing mm-hmm. to bring everyone U- together. Unifying. Unifying like, oh, okay, I'm in. Let's pray. Yep. Like, let's go. God, bring him. Bring Samuel. Bring him in, Lord. We need it. You said you'd do it. He said he'd be here. Obviously, there's a delay. I hope he's okay. Yeah. Like, and just, let's go. Yep. Right? That could have been great. Yeah. That's a good lesson for us yeah, to learn. Yes. All right, we've had fun in First uh, Samuel. Where have we been? Chapter 13. And <laughs> we've been everywhere. Where have we been? We will see you guys next week. We hope you have a great day. God bless. You are listening to the Morning Breath Podcast from East Coast Christian Center. Please enjoy a word from our sponsors. At East Coast Christian Center, we are building a life-giving church that lasts. We are one church in many locations with campuses in Merritt Island, Vieira, Coco, and an online campus that you can attend from anywhere. Here at East Coast, we value each generation and work hard to ensure that no matter what age or stage of life you're in, there's a place for you in our family. You weren't meant to do life alone, so come and find your church home with us. You can plan your visit or get more information online at eccc.us. Barfield Contracting and Associates is a fully licensed and insured roofing and building contractor. They are located in Cocoa Village, but service all of Brevard County and surrounding communities. They also offer military and senior discounts and free estimates and appreciate every opportunity they are given. 321-454-4531. That's 321-454-4531. Barfield Contracting, treating you like family. Mark your calendars for Overlook Ministries' first concert fundraiser on June 25th. The event starts at 6 p.m. with food trucks, tours of their residential treatment house, and a concert that starts at 7, led by East Coast Christian Center's worship pastor, Chris Johnson. Come be a part of saving men's lives and restoring families. Mothers want their sons back, wives are missing their husbands, and children want their daddies home. Find more information and location of the event through Facebook by searching Overlook Ministries, or you can go to www.overlookministries.com. Are you a young adult between the ages of 18 and 29, seeking community and an opportunity to press into the Word of God on a deeper level? Join us at Mezzanine, Sunday nights at 7. Experience powerful and impacting messages alongside like-minded individuals that are passionate about pursuing the heart of God. Visit mezzanine.church to get plugged in. Hi, I'm Scott Langston. I'm a broker associate who has specialized in commercial real estate for the past 27 years. I sell real estate for Remax Elite. 
I give free broker price opinions to anyone selling real estate. If you are looking to buy or lease real estate, I will represent you at no cost to you. My phone number is 321-403-1111. My website is scottlangston.com. Go out and make it a great day. Pineapple Garden, assisted living facility located in Rockledge. Affordable care with daily activities and a friendly 24-hour staff, making sure you or your loved ones are safe and secure. Find them online at pineapplegarden.com. For over 30 years, CB Plumbing has been a family-owned and operated business that is dedicated and proud to serve the Brevard County community. CB Plumbing offers both drain and sewer line cleaning for commercial and residential. CB Plumbing for all your plumbing needs. 321-783-6000. That's 321-783-6000. Customer satisfaction is their guarantee. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Morning Breath podcast. If you did, we would love for you to give it a thumbs up and share it with a friend. To follow along with our daily chapter list and for quick access to East Coast podcasts, events, and more, download the East Coast app. It's the best way to stay connected with everything East Coast. We would also love for you to join our online community. Just search for East Coast Christian Center on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening to the Morning Breath podcast.